You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This Is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host. Back with another episode up in Cashin, Oklahoma today at the Blake Shipman residence. Blake's going to be on the podcast as a co-host. Uh, we've we've done one here previously around Christmas time. Uh, but our guest today uh, is Anthony Murray, who's we're going to talk about some some dirt bike riding, riding right? Some FMX, is that what you call it? You can tell I've done a lot of research on this, obviously. Yeah, it's FMX. Uh Anthony, man, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time out. Yeah, man, stoked to do this with you guys and talk about uh, freestyle motocross. That's what FMX stands for, and just kind of you know uh, inside look of what it's like. Yeah. So for everyone listening that doesn't know, tell us what exactly freestyle motocross is, and then how you got into it. Yeah. So freestyle motocross, uh, you know, it's basically just jumping your bike through the air, dirt bike that is, and uh, just doing all kinds of tricks. I mean, if you can think about doing it you know taking your hands off putting your feet over the handbars going upside down that's what freestyle motocross is and uh we like to hit big jumps uh so basically the bigger you go the better it is too yeah how like from a young age did you get into that is it something that like family has done just lives on a farm and dad says here's the dirt bike and go knock yourself out yeah you know uh uh basically i i just always loved riding my bicycle um i always had a passion for life behind bars as a young kid <laughs> on, <laughs> being just being on two wheels and flying through the air and uh i remember one time there was a neighbor kid that uh rode his dirt bike by and i was like man that's the coolest thing ever i have to have one of those so uh, i just begged my mom for a couple of years and finally i got one at the age of 11 for christmas and uh yeah the rest is history i just uh yeah. loved it and you know with a little bit more power behind me i could catch a little more airtime. Yeah, sick of pedaling, right? You don't want to pedal anymore. Yeah, that's too much work. Yeah. Blake, how'd you guys meet? Um, I actually met you at a show in Coffeyville, Kansas. So that was like, yeah, and you were on two stroke, and that was probably like in 2011, you think? Yeah, I think it was like 2011 or 2012 when I met Blake. uh, As you said, Coffeyville, Kansas. I was just breaking into the freestyle motocross scene. Uh, I was filming a documentary for Freestyle <laughs> Motocross. That's why I was there filming it. Yeah. And, uh, you def- weren't you in riding? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely a pretty sketchy rider at the time. So, like I said, I was just breaking into the Freestyle Motocross scene. Yeah. So, you get that first bike for Christmas at 11, and then like you just start events, entering local events and regional stuff, and then I guess it just so, goes from there. Um, yeah, I grew up, uh, we didn't really have much money. It was just my mom raising three kids. And so basically just even get me my first uh, dirt bike was a struggle. So that's why it took so long. And, uh, you know, uh, once I got my bikes, we started trading them up and finding deals like that. But um, we just had these local hills next to my house. Uh, we called them the Hogbacks. It was just right there in Canyon City, Colorado. And I would just ride through the alleyways every day after school. It was only like three or four blocks away, and I'd go there after school and ride till dark. 
Duh. So <laughs> it's kind of a getaway, isn't it? And I guess growing up, you know, is this the, is this kind of like late nineties, kind of that time? Like no time spending on social media or hanging out, playing Call of Duty. Like riding your bike was was all you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've always been an outside kid. Never really played video games much. You know, just outside doing something. Um, definitely, uh, kind of the the getaway because you know it, it's it's not a poor man's sport. It costs a lot of money to do this, but. You know, as a kid, you don't really know any different. You're just, it's just you and your dirt bike. And that's really that all matters. And you don't know any different. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So what's like that first, I guess, event that you go to that you think, hang on a second, I really want to do this. Well, as for me, what really uh, like motivated me to be a professional freestyle motocross athlete was I went to the do tour. I think it was 2015. Um, I was about 14 or 15 years old and man, I saw all 2005. Yeah. Oh yeah, 2005. Sorry, sorry. You're good. I'm terrible at math too. I was like, I knew you then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My time was a little off right there. Yeah, 2005, and uh, all my big, my big idols were uh, were there. You know, you had Kenny Bartram, you had uh, Travis Pastrana, I think uh, Ronnie Renner, um, just a bunch of guys. Nate Adams was there, and that right there really, like, I saw those guys right, and I was like, man, this is what I want to do. And 05 was like the prime time to be. one of those athletes like right. they were making like how much do you think they probably made over six figures riding freestyle motocross Way over six six figures probably anywhere from 250 to 500 range yeah. you know what i mean if not even more but with know. endorsements and free product and things that come with it and yeah. the bikes and everything else, right. right yeah so um that's uh the prime time of freestyle they had two tour action sports they had uh the lg contest they had x games ifma which was like the yep. like i don't want to say like the the B team because these dudes grew up you know competing in that and like top dudes now were winning those back in the day or like trying to win those but it was like I was in Kenny's garage the other day which he can tell you uh I think it's cool you mentioned Kenny because now you like you're you're good pals with him and work with him and stuff. But we were at his house and like you're just chilling, looking at the shop, and you see all these trophies of like IFMA. If you ask any fan that started liking freestyle motocross from 2012, they have no idea what that is. Right. But it's like the thing that made the guys who are what they are now. Right. It is what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's sick. Well, that, that's what's so cool about freestyle back in the day is you had all those platforms. And um, as an athlete in my position right now, we really don't have those platforms. But on another hand, we do. We have it in our hands. It's yeah. social media. But the social media is just such a game, and it, it's, a, it's a full-time job as well. You know, it kind of, yeah. if you're doing that full-time, it's hard to focus on writing. And just like someone has an accountant, they need to have a social media person. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah build your don't. image. I yeah. think your image is the most important part. So well, and that's now like to that point, right? The sponsors and, and the endorsements they look at how what your social presence yeah. is, right? And it's kind of like an investment. Last in night, that. I was just telling you this earlier. Last night, I was you know like every moment we have or I have, I consider myself a hustler. Like so, I'm always on the move, trying mm-hmm. to find out the when you know as a freelancer too. You're always trying to chase that next paycheck. So I'm like looking for opportunities and thinking you know, locally, like I said before, and I hit this company up and their first, after this whole pitch, this whole proposal, the first question, not even a, Hey, thanks for this. It was verbatim. How many followers do you have on YouTube? Or how many subscriptions do you have on YouTube? And you have a good YouTube presence. Well, like that's, and I was telling him like, if I didn't have that, then I I have nothing to say, but it's never served me any, I mean, 
that is the that is the occasion in which it matters. But other than that, whenever you go up to someone like, hey, I have thirty thousand something or other on it, they're like, cool, uh, get away from me, you weirdy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the first time someone's asked you that? No, I get no. asked it a lot. Uh, that's it's that's how I know it matters to people. Like, you'd be chilling at a party or mm-hmm. just a group of friends, and someone's like, oh, follow, oh, what's your? I want to see this video where they'll show you. Someone's always like, oh my god, look at this, and yeah. then you see their, you're like, oh, add me, and I'll add you, and they're like. Oh my God, you have this many yeah. followers. And you're like, yeah, but obviously it means nothing. Cause you knew you right. did not know who I was before this. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't retired yet. Yeah. Or you get the, like, I, this sounds so egotistical and cocky, but someone would be like, Oh my God, are you famous? And I'm like, obviously no. You're like, cause you have to ask that. Go to the next random person. Ask if they know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. They'll say no, but but your nephew thinks you're so cool because you have a YouTube presence. Yeah. And like kids too. Like I get a lot of the questions from like family, friends, kids, and they're like, uh, so you're a YouTuber and I definitely don't consider myself to be a YouTuber. And uh, they're like, how do I be a YouTuber? I'm like, well, what do you like to film? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, start yeah. So to that point, then you obviously focus a lot as well on social media and building that so that you can have a presence and sign more sponsors <laughs> and bigger gigs and, and you yeah, invest in people uh, like Blake to come out and shoot content. Yeah. I mean, it's a battle. I go back and forth. Like, um, there's sometimes I just get burned out on it because you're, you're trying to be so consistent and mm-hmm. post every single day, but you get burned out on it. Cause it's just like, where's your ROI on this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not getting any endorsements or making a living from doing this. So it's like, it's almost like it makes from no, social media, right? From social yeah. media. Yeah. It makes no difference if I make a post every single day because I am still doing X amount of events each year and making X amount of right. dollars. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's almost like sometimes you just uh, you you start to have a bad attitude about it, but then you got to stay positive, you know, because right. it really is important in today's society. It's mm-hmm. easy to get uh, flustered about it too, because you can um, you have to remember that if you have three hundred views on a video versus some major person's one hundred thousand views on a video, there's probably still only like a handful of people that are going to be able to to hire that person right. or who is an advantage to that individual. And the same with you, like mm-hmm. that's how I think about it. If I, if I don't even break a thousand views on a video, I'm still thinking to myself, that's a lot of people that watched it that lo- locally, yeah. that, you know, hopefully it's local. You can see that stuff, but you know, I don't, I do everything organic. I don't like pay to promote. I, yeah, yeah. I'm against that. I, I know it's, it serves a purpose to other people. Right. But, um, I just use it as my, my portfolio. Do you think so. it almost matters more if you are like about to retire, right? If you're about to think you're like, you've done all you can, you're, you know, you're, you're aging out, you're, you know, your body's not taking anymore and you, but you have this following. Now you can retire and go into starting a YouTube page or a blog or yeah. whatever it is, right? There's plenty of people. I, I, I love formula one. Uh, when Nico Rosberg retired after he won the world championship, he's like, I'm going to do a, I'm going to be on YouTube now. And has like a podcast and does YouTube shows. Yeah. I think the keyword there is retired. Cause like whenever you're in the middle of trying to do your shows and like practice and things and just like stay on emails and try to yeah. find the next, um, show and work with the next promoter. There's no, no, did you notice I have no time in there for filming? Right. You know, there's yeah. nothing in there about yeah. that. You almost need to pay someone to just follow you around. Right. Which is not cheap. Right. And no. at that point you, like you have to distinguish what's good from what's bad, which takes more time out of your day. Cause you don't want everything out there of yourself. Right. right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So to the so the shows then to that point with the shows and stuff, are you it, people who don't know freestyle motocross? Obviously, you're based on you know the tricks that you do and the level that you do them at. But is there like a like a entertainment show element to it away from like you're going to go to a competition? You're either going to compete or you're going to go into a show. Are they two separate things as well? Or are they yeah, so they're going to be two separate things. Gotcha. I mean, um, in one way they are. I mean, I'll say what you're going to say, but then I have a point okay. to that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, like there's, uh, it's really, really hard to get, um, a spot at like X games. I mean, it's mm-hmm. invite only and you know, you have to really have the following and, um, you got to have the hype behind it because you know, that's what they want. They yeah. want the reviews for that stuff. So, um, yeah. or the ratings. Part, part of their marketing is that you market it as well. Gotcha. Right. So they, they want the ratings for, you know, the viewing, but, um, so other than like X games, there's no really other platform here in the U S at least, um, that you can compete. So it really comes down to making money from, uh, from going out and doing, uh, shows and demos and stuff. Gotcha. So like yeah. state, state, you know, yeah. shows or whatever they call them. State. What is it? Fairs. There you go. Yeah. We, go to, fairs we go to and, fairs, um, yeah. sometimes monster truck shows, arena cross races. I mean, any entertainment event, yeah. Uh, if freestyle motocross seems to fit into the criteria, then, you know, we'll go there and ride. Yeah. You know? What was your point? So um, we talk about this too. We've spent a lot of time together because he's staying with me. But uh, um, like whenever you go to these demos and there's dudes who know that everyone's pretty much getting the same amount of money or you're like booking, you're like in the, you're bidding on the job. Mm-hmm. You know that there's no pay to be the best, but you're not going to let someone else take the spotlight of that of that demo. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? I mean, that's how I feel anyway. That yeah, that, I that makes sense, see that right? Because the, the 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 fans want to see the craziest stuff, right? And, and, and the like, boss, the guy who's hiring, is like, dude, yeah. that guy I know can do better. And then it's kind of like the manipulation that the promoters right. get into. They're like, I've seen you do a front flip. Like, well, yeah, yeah. that's different than a one legger. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, to that point, you know, uh, I've been riding bikes for 20 years now. I've spent, you know, uh, close to 15 years perfecting freestyle motocross to get to the level that I am at. I'm not going to go out there and ride like somebody that just started freestyle motocross. I'm going to go out there and show what I've put in the work for for the last 15 years. On time and sober. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't find that a lot in freestyle. So, yeah, yeah, for me, when I go there, I'm going there to put on the best show to the best of my abilities. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, like, I'll get a phone call, like, hey, I just need a guy that can jump, a non-flipper. And I'm like, well, I'm not hired for non-flipping. Like, I'm a freestyle motocross athlete, and I do backflips, and you're going to get all the tricks. This is my price. Yeah. Well, I can get so and so to do it for this price. Well, then well, have that. Yeah, you know go, what I mean? go for it. But yeah. that's kind of what's deteriorating freestyle motocross a little bit is because you're getting all these C level riders that are saturating the the show industry because they can just jump a ramp. They can't flip. They can do a couple of tricks. At a shorter distance, too, which right. makes a big difference. It's like going to see right. a race and then going 50 miles an hour when I know that vet will right. do 120 yeah. or something. So, you know, these guys are getting hired and taken away from uh, the guys that actually put in the work and yeah. deserve it. But, um, I mean, that's, uh, I guess, capitalism and, and business, I yeah. guess. You well, you deal I mean? with the same stuff so. in the video world, right? <clears throat> um, yeah, Sometimes. Yeah, there's... Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, I guess more photography would deal with it rather than well, video. No, I think video too. Like I've got friends who will, you know, they insist on using like their best equipment every single time. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta weigh out if it's a $700 job, let's be honest. It's like a day rate nowadays for 4k. And if you're experienced and 
you bring a $9,000 camera, you know what I mean? If you, and I'm sure it's insured or whatever, but for that little bit of time, you just ruined a $9,000 tool for a $700 shoot. And that's not smart. I mean, you know, to an extent you can break your rule, but that's how I feel about some of these things. And I'll never under deliver in quality. It just may not be the absolute best thing I have in my arsenal of tools for the, for the job. That makes sense. So, I mean, it's just a tile guy is not going to bring nine guys for every single job. Mm -hmm, He's going to do what he can with what he has for little to no overhead. If that's possible. So back to, I guess, stunts and shows and stuff, like, what was the first time when you did a backflip? Like, how does that feel going through the year? And I'm assuming you practiced it in a foam pit and all that stuff on a, on a bike. I want to like, say real quick, context is everything. And a backflip on a dirt bike would be like if LeBron James could jump 10 feet higher all the right. sudden. Like, it's a huge, it's yeah. a pretty scary moment. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, definitely breaking through that barrier, um, it's a huge moment in freestyle or even in, you know, like my personal career yeah. because... Um, it has made and broke a lot of guys. Like a lot of the OGs in the sport, when the backflip came around, yeah. a lot of them faded out because they didn't want to. They didn't want to commit to the flip and take right. that risk. And you're not going to get hired or invited to shows if you're not. Right. Doing yeah. that. <laughs> Who's the guy who? He was on uh, Pastrana's traveling Nitro Circus thing and like broke his back and then did a backflip with a broken. Oh, back. that's uh, Bruce, Bruce Cook. Cook. Yeah, right. Yeah, did he great. do a double and then broke his? Yeah, he tried a double front flip, right. under rotated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking his back. But it's like that's a real. I mean, it's a legit risk. Yeah, it's it's a risk, and that that circles back around to the pay scale. Like, look, my life is more than this. This stuff is like. I ride because it's fun Mm -hmm. and going to these events sometimes, yeah, they're fun, but it's work. So if I'm working, I'm going to get paid for it. You know what I mean? I don't want to sit there and, uh, stress about it. Um, but yeah, Yeah, I was uh, a tourist. (laughs) I think I was, uh, 16, 16 years old when I landed my first backflip on a motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was at, it was at a smaller gap and it was on a smaller bike, but um, I just I built myself up from there, you know. Yeah. I just pulled the ramp back little by little and eventually got on the big bike and you know just uh, got comfortable with flips. I have I mean, a funny that scares story. me so. Like, just thinking about that scares. No, no, I'd never try it. Like, have yeah. you ever have you ever remet someone? Remet someone? Yeah, you I remet you once. Oh, you mean so, like you met oh, once? Oh, yeah, okay. and then don't remember. It's like yeah. years later. So like, yeah, we did that show in Coffeeville, Kansas, and like, I don't. We didn't talk that whole time. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. I don't think we talked a single time. It was like a crew of eight or ten riders, yeah. and I was just. It was just so busy. Mm-hmm. And then like years later, um, BC was like, "Hey, uh, do you know Anthony Murray?" And I was like, "No," <laughs> and I genuinely was like. No, and then he turns around and he looks at me and I was like, "Oh, Anthony Murray." <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, no contest or anything we've been talking about. <laughs> you remember I, that? I can't remember. Love that the time, podcast. It was in Anaheim. It was at oh at Supercross. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you ever think about going into the racing side of things or not? Um. Yeah, there was one time. This was my. Uh, this was my racing career. It summed up really fast. Um. Basically, we went around to all the local uh, businesses and we got sponsorship money because right. I had no money. So we got sponsorship money just to pay my entry fees to get into this race. And uh, so we get it all lined out. I'm at the race and uh, I think it was in practice or my first moto, I think it was in practice, uh, my motor ended up blowing up. And I was just like, oh, wow. Uh, um, but I had a friend there that had an extra bike. He's like, hey, you want to ride this thing? I'm all, heck, yeah, I do. Yeah. And 
I think I was in third place. It was in the 250 novice class. And for some reason, his bike, the suspension just wasn't set up right. The, the front of the bike just got head wobble super bad. And I remember I was in third place and I was going through this uh, straightaway with some breaker bumps. And man, I just got head shake and man, I swapped. And that was the, the end of my racing career right there. <laughs> head first into the dirt thinking yeah. I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I just didn't have the money to do it. And yeah. uh, honestly, I just loved going out to the hogbacks and jumping. Yeah. Like I loved flying through the air. That was the best feeling for me. Cheaper to fly through the air than it is to to race? Yes. You but can more risky to to fly through the air than it is you to don't, race. You don't need a motor to last that long when you're just jumping a right. ramp to dirt, sure. you know, so many times. Uh and honestly, freestyle motocross, in my opinion, is safer because it is very calculated. You have a metal ramp that yeah. never changes. Pit bikes are not, though. <laughs> no, pit bikes are squirrely for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, freestyle is very calculated. You don't have other guys that you have to race around and worry about getting landed on by. You know yeah, what I mean? So That's true. Uh, if you can just perfect the tricks that you have, it is very consistent and calculated. Yeah. You know? So what's one of the tricks at the moment then that you're like trying to nail and like the, because there's always something better, right? There's like a double backflip and then there's front flips and yeah, whatever. there's always like, progression. There's always something. Are you talking right now in my career? Yeah, right back? now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Right now in my career, I feel like I'm kind of just, uh, I feel like I'm kind of plateaued where mm-hmm. I'm at this level where, you know, I'm doing front flips, I'm doing back flips now and, and, uh, doing most of my tricks that I do right side up, upside down. One of the only guys who do front flips in the world right now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only a handful of people that are doing them, but yeah. so I feel like I'm kind of at this level where I'm like, okay, I've pushed pretty hard and I'm really, I'm comfortable and I'm safe right here. So, uh, right now it's just straight practice and not really learning anything yeah. new, just kind of maintaining my, uh, my skills. COVID didn't help either. It made it, made you made everybody in whatever line of work they have. Uh, it made it hard to progress and mm-hmm. you really mu- you pretty much had to this, like whatever I had to do to sustain, sustain, sustain. Right. And you can't be getting hurt by trying crazy stuff that you don't know if you can do it or yeah. not, because it really, at that point, it's just like you're not competing. Uh, you're trying to go to demos, you know, mm-hmm. the contest right. quit yeah. for a while. I had Matt Hoffman on the podcast very early on. And like the stories that he has, like he was really good friends with evil Knievel and just uh-huh. like he'd broken every bone in his body. And, but he, when evil came through town, he'd always grab a beer and hang out. And he's like, well, I just got to keep going. It's like the worst person to be really good friends with. Yeah, Cause yeah. you're like, I've been breaking, you know, all these bones and like one is kind of like take a seat back and then evil comes through town. And he's like, well, just, you know, he's <laughs> like 65 or seven. He's just like, yeah, let's keep yeah. doing it. Like what? But, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I still get that, that edge and that, that fire inside me to want to like, you know, for personal accomplishment, sure. uh, I want to throw a double backflip. That'd be badass to do, yeah. you know? And, uh, before this COVID thing, I was actually working on the body burial and that was kind of one of the last big tricks that I wanted to learn and get, get down. And, you know, I was, I was close to having it. I had it down in the foam pit, but I just never, never took to dirt. So maybe one day I'll, uh, explain that. What is that exactly? Well, so it's a, it's a body varial called the Cali roll. And basically, um, you're holding on to your grab hole, which is, you know, by your seat and, uh, you go off the ramp and 
you, your body stays straight, but you do a 360 degree rotation and then you come back to your bike and land on it. So yeah, no it thanks. was a very, very scary trick. They're not yeah. that hard to do. I've done a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of rolling bike. You know, different roll. The, the top guys doing them, they make them look so easy. And I always said to myself, That's not that big of a deal. It's just a bike. Yeah. But there is so many elements to a body burial. And well, you it, miss the bike and you're flying through the air. Right. Not only do you have to keep your bike straight and control your bike, you got to control your body and you yeah. got to get back to it. And it is the scariest feeling ever turning all the way around. There's a lot yeah. of sharp things on those when you start looking at them for that. And your pegs, dude, you can see in this video we shot the other day. Like, I never really noticed how gnarly your pegs are. Yeah. Like, they... If, uh, if you clamped two of those together with like one of those little springs uh-huh. and it closed, that's a miniature bear trap. Yeah. It's- yeah. So when learning the body burial, I, I had to learn it basically in three steps. I had to break it down. So it was, you know, the first step was going off the ramp and actually getting off the bike and turning. This is two stories up. Yeah. Yeah. That's this is, this is, is 30 yeah. feet in the air. So yeah. it's scary. How so, fast are you going at this point too? <clears throat> I think we only go about 30 miles an hour or so, yeah. but oh, I mean, it's, <laughs> right. you're, you're 30 feet in the air. It's, yeah. it's scary. So you get pulled over in a school zone for doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, the first step was getting off the bike and getting turned all the way around. The second step was actually grabbing back onto the bike. And the third step was committing and pulling yourself back onto the bike. But the third step was the hardest step to commit to, because when you came back around and you had a hold of your bike, you saw all these sharp odd objects like your foot pegs and everything. You're like, man, if I don't pull back onto the bike uh, perfectly, yeah. I'm going to land on this foot peg and it's going to tear me up. So for me, that was the hardest um, mental barrier to break. But yeah, yeah just once you, once you got it, you had that confidence and then you came back every single time. Talk about landing on the bike in the foam pit. That Everyone's like, let's do it to foam. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, it's the, like it's a really nice cushion. The it's foam pits not. aren't aren't that fun. I mean, yeah, it's cool because it takes out a lot of the risk factor, but when you're actually in there and you're putting in the work, they're not fun. I mean, yeah. uh, let's say you land upside down. Your your motorcycle's 250 pounds. You are now stuck under a dirt bike. And every fold. Right. Every, I'm sorry, every fold and all that is just yeah. like moving your body because that foam is just, it's shoving your body into ways and you're just like, oh, yeah. I, hope yeah. I hope they're doing their job up there. <laughs> the way you here. land in the foam, that shape of your body, that's the shape you're going to hold place until you get pulled yeah. out. I want to say too, I've never jumped a machine into a foam pit. Kenny tricked me and took me all the way up to the top with his forklift and it was like, dude, on a oh. pole that, that's, that's, that's this wide. Did you fall? Did you jump? He made me. He made like he wouldn't move it down, so I had to jump. And so you know, my big ass is down in there, and like you're literally just like, okay. I remember losing a shoe, and like yeah. you just don't get that back. Yeah, they're not as fun. That seems uh. crazy. So tell me about like, like specifically like Oklahoma, like what it's like being here. Obviously, you're from Colorado, but you spent some time in the state. Obviously, you spent some time with Blake as well. But yeah. what's the scene like in Oklahoma, and then just you know, in general? Yeah, so uh, Oklahoma was. Uh, it's actually been really good for me in my career. Um, I moved from uh, let's see, Marietta, California. I was living there till 2015, and uh, which is Moto Land. Yeah, I mean that's okay. the the mecca. That's a headquarters for motocross, freestyle motocross. You meet all the uh-huh. biggest athletes in motocross there. The parts from his bike all come from there, <laughs> and. Uh, so, yeah, the main reason why I came out to Oklahoma is because all the riding spots were getting so hard to ride uh, at in California. So 
I talked to Bartram. He said, man, you could just go to my place and ride whenever. So Mm -hmm. I was like, sweet. Who's been an Okie forever. Right. Uh, He was born and raised here, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's got a hundred, what is it, a hundred... 40 acres? 100? It's a lot. It's a lot it's of land. 100 something acres. He's got a lot of land. He's got and he's just like an OG of... Yeah, one of the, one one of the, the first guys gotcha. to do any tricks. So, you know, he's got 140 acres. He's got a foam pit and uh, water truck, tractors, everything you needed. So I was like, man, that's sweet. So I came out here and uh, uh, ended up staying quite a while because it, was, uh, it, it worked out really well for me. I was able to... Uh, hone in on all my skills because I had this riding spot that I could wake up and ride every Mm -hmm. single day. And then I had the foam pit where I could try these new tricks and build confidence. And, uh, I think that's really made me into a a better rider. So you like living with him, learning from him as well? Like that's (laughs) well, so Kenny wasn't living there. Mm -hmm. He's actually in new Orleans. And, uh, so that's where he was living at the time. I was just out here kind of by myself and would find any, any local kids that would come out and ride with me or watch me you know and yeah uh, i just had the drive inside me and uh i knew what i needed to do and nice. i just put put in the work whereabouts is like that that spot <clears throat> that's in Stillwater, okay. oklahoma so you managed to not get into too much trouble being up there <laughs> well it's out it's out it's out there too kind of i mean you say Stillwater and you think college town but it's like probably 30 minutes away from okay. the actual yeah. town it's yeah, yeah. it's 20 minutes outside of Stillwater. nice um but actually, I'm I'm a square when it comes to the average uh, stereotype in freestyle motocross. You know, I've never done any drugs. I didn't drink till I was 21, and I don't really like to drink, so mm-hmm. I don't drink very often. So it was actually really easy for me to stay out of trouble in a college town. Got you. <laughs> yeah, he like stays here with me, and he's like he does yoga, and like he's like I need to go out and get this walk in, and I'm like in there on that chair like all day. <laughs> It's like all fat and out of shape, and editing whatever you're doing. Sports, and he's like, oh, "I'm gonna go be a better person." And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you gotta do it though, right? You're a professional athlete, you have to take care of your body. Yeah, I mean, for someone who's flying through the air every, you know, every day, it's gonna yeah. takes its toll on you. Well, I mean, uh, twenty years of jumping dirt bikes really takes a toll on you too, and that's the main reason why I do yoga is because if I lift weights or something, it really just it aggravates my muscles and it yeah. makes me it makes me in pain. So I like to do yoga cause it's a, it's a good workout yeah. and it loosens my muscles up and I just feel better. So I just stick with the yoga. Do you think a lot of the guys do it as well? Or are you just kind of one of the, one of the standout ones um, that does it? I do think there are a handful of uh, guys that do it. Um, yeah. I bet, I bet the moto dudes do it a bunch, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that Alden probably has them do that stuff out in Florida. Like I could yeah. see him having them do that stuff. I don't know why it wouldn't help. Right. Yeah. Stretching, right? It's got to do something well, for you. I mean, it's great for stretching, breathing, and, you know, it's a different type of workout. When you're holding these um, postures, yeah. it's it's really challenging. You know what I mean? You think it's, oh, it's yoga. That's that's yeah. easy, you know, but, man. The first time I did downward dog, I thought my shoulder's going <laughs> to pop out. <laughs> yeah, there's. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> It's, uh, YouTube's got some great yoga Yeah, I was going to say, let things. me pull this video. Yeah. Like, I know what yoga is. <laughs> yeah. I, uh. I just never experienced my, it. My wife was doing some, like, is it yoga with Adrian? That's like the big one. Yeah. It's a lady. She's got like 6 million followers or whatever. And like, 
basically does yoga in it. She's got it made. She has yoga in her house. That's right. all she needs is a light and a iPhone, and it's like See, millions I've, of followers. Uh, I've watched a few of her videos, and then I've done Peloton as well because oh, I travel yeah. a lot. So having Peloton's nice. But do you have one with you? You take when you travel? Oh, a Peloton app. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. They have the, all yeah. the different right. classes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we just got one. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. I totally get like the cult of the Peloton now. <laughs> like, right. Oh yeah. It's, uh, my wife's like, I want one. I was like, okay, I have heard of find it, one. but I've never been and, interested. Uh, uh, Peloton memes on Instagram is a great follow if you get yeah. it. If you get it, yeah. I probably won't get it. Uh, you definitely won't get it. But like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a funny thing. Like I, I told my wife, I was like, this is going to become an extended clothes rack. Like yeah. this is just a bike. It's That cost fifteen hundred dollars. It's very cool. She's to be fair, she's ridden it every day. If I was rich, I would have a personal trainer that like made me <laughs> made me do stuff. Cause then I wouldn't have to worry about doing anything else other than just Well most of it's eating too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right? Like especially when you're traveling, it's right. really really hard Which to you eat. only get to do in society as like as far as they say is okay, three times a day and I want to enjoy it. <laughs> What you're, you're speak, eating? Speak to, yeah, a, I say, yeah. enjoy it. speak to a professional bodybuilder. They eat like six, seven meals a day. True, you'll, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, it depends it's all, on what you it's eat. It's all though. about having uh, fast metabolism. The less you eat, it's going to slow down. Yeah, if you eat more, it's going to speed up. It's not working. But <laughs> <laughs> You've got time. It's fine. Everything in moderation is is good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you just gotta find those boundaries. Yeah. So, so I guess when things now, so I guess shows are starting to come back, and you're starting to get you know invites and stuff like that. Like future's looking <clears throat> better than it did last year. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of this year, I already had three events that were canceled, and you still hear about things and restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually booked an arena and uh, Pueblo, Colorado, because I was gonna put on a um, a full freestyle motocross show through Gravity Slayers, which is a, a new brand I've been working on. And um, they still have seating restrictions. Right now, you can only hold 150 people yeah. in these seats. And it's like, how do you even not make money, money. Yeah. with 150 people? You right. can't. You're losing money. So um, yes and no. Uh, I do have you know quite a bit on the books. But last year, even with this pandemic, I still think I did... 15 or 16 events yeah which is really good because i talked to the other athletes and i think some of them only did like three four or five of gotcha. them so i was very fortunate um i have a lot of different people that i work for so it, it was definitely beneficial yeah. with that new brand you just said you're working on is that something that's personally yours and then you're calling the arenas and saying hey i'm coming with a full package i'm bringing the riders and like this is you've moved out of like just being a rider to like i'm gonna own this and take this on the road yeah so that's kind of where the direction of my life is heading is yeah. uh uh basically switching the roles because you know, I'm almost 30 now, and I, I can't ride freestyle across forever. I don't want to. I don't want to be on the road yeah. 30, 40 weekends out of the year. You know, I want to start having a family and stuff like that. So um, it's tough when you're you're traveling a lot. But, yeah, so uh, basically I just want to put on put on uh, events kind of like Nitro Circus, you know, yeah. put uh, rent these venues and let's put on a freestyle motocross show and let's have a good time, you know, and, and build this brand. Uh and I also want to build a platform for younger kids coming up because right now it's uh, there's not too many people coming up, I feel mm-hmm. like, especially in the U.S. Uh, so I want to help uh, uh, grow the sport and keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Also, your shows... Oh, my camera died. Like, dead, dead? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Typical know. video dude has God. not put battery in it. 
No, it's brand new battery. I just figured it hot, got hot <laughs> anyway. Um, the uh, the show that you bring is different though because you can have uh, an inflatable landing brought in. You can do a lot more with a uh, a lot less work on the promoter's behalf or on the building or venue's behalf. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, we're we're making this to where it's um, all these pain points for the riders, all these pain points for the the venue and stuff. We're eliminating all that. Yeah. Okay, we're one hundred percent self sufficient. We're gonna go in there. We don't need your equipment. We don't need anything. Give me okay? the keys to the door. Exactly. Yeah. Give me the keys. We'll go in there. We're gonna set this up, and we're yeah. gonna we'll tear it down too. You know what I mean? So um, that's I exciting think, stuff. Yeah, and then. Uh, as a, as a writer, I always hated going to an event and it's like, oh man, we got to set this up. Oh, we got to do that. And then it's like a real job. You know what I mean? Um, well, moving ramps and dirt and whatever it is. Like it's right. You know. I think that you got to get better at talking about this part because uh, it's such a good thing to bring up. Um, we were talking about this earlier. Like a lot of the athletes, which I know a bunch of them personally, I know how they are, mm-hmm. and um, they could say the same thing about me if it were true, but it's not. <laughs> um, but like some people just party too hard, and right. they their their performance suffers from it, and maybe they're a little more irritable, or maybe they're trying to dip in late and out early. And let's be honest, most of the guys that ride dirt bikes for a living. You it's a eat. it's a different genre of, of person, it's right? A it's not like kind a, of person. It's not it's for the most part. They're not people that got straight A's in school and work I'll be honest, or whatever. But probably they, didn't even do the homeschool program. Right. But it it is a lot of dudes who don't really care about reputation. They got into the sport because at the beginning it was all about a party, right. and that's what freestyle motocross started off of. Racing was like the guys who were kind of the rejects who wanted to do do whatever they wanted. Well, it evolved into like a real professional sport yeah. and then dudes like Anthony take it super serious and get thrown into the same basket as like maybe some of the guys who are just a nightmare like a to work with. There's a stigma around it. There's yeah, definitely yeah, a yeah. stigma. Gotcha. I mean, even my friends, I've like, it's so funny. I'll go and I'll go to shows and I'll talk with the same people that my friends would have gone and worked for with for years past. Mm-hmm. And they don't know I'm their friends, and I'm like, you know, I'll say, you know, where's the freestyle? They're like, we're done with that, man. Last time we had these guys, and I know who they're yeah. talking about. We had these guys in here, and they destroyed the hotel, and they just were this and that. And I'm like, yeah, not surprised, not surprised, yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to mindset, uh, mindset and perspective. I mean, uh, that's how freestyle motocross got so popular in the early '90s. Was it was. You rage against the machine. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. listen to heavy metal. You you party. You hang out with girls. Punk and, rock. Everything uh, not straight laced. Right. You go out there and you you ride shows hungover and you're making money and it's all cool. But um, uh, the level that freestyle is at now, like I uh, want to have a clear clear mind going yeah, into yeah. this and it, you know freestyle is my life. This is what I've done since I was a little kid. So yeah. I take it really seriously. So. I want my my values and my morals um, to reflect in my image, and that's why I present myself um, yeah. the way I do. When you see the legit opportunity in moving towards like putting on the shows, right? Well, it's just I'm just going to ride there, and you take out that good shows you know. too. Like 
I think that there's a lot that has to be said about someone who shows up on time and gets a job done as opposed to someone who could you could tell could care less. Mm. And maybe they do get the job done, but is it to your liking and can you bank on them to show up whenever yeah. you call them or even answer the phone? Yeah. See, I think uh, uh, most of the people in freestyle motocross, I think their, their thinking is too shallow. It's like... Um, uh, the uh, the tree. If you can only see the tree, you can't see the forest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and there is a bigger picture to it because if you're just living every single day like ah freestyle motocross, I'm gonna do this forever, and there's no plan, you're yeah. not gonna go anywhere. You right. know what I mean? And we can't do this forever. <laughs> yeah, Baldy's not gonna let you do this. Right. No, and and right now the strategy is just wait around for the promoter to call, not for him, but like for a lot of guys. So it's like why not right. be proactive, chase these dudes down show them what you're worth and like mm-hmm. what you can bring to the table, yeah. which is where social media right. comes right back like, into uh, it. Like, how can I circle. make your life easier? <laughs> yeah. How you am know? I going to yeah. know this guy's worth it? Well, he's had seven years of straight consistent content on his page and his mm-hmm. channel. Mm-hmm. I don't see any bugaboos. I don't see anything weird. Let's give this guy a shot. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's like, Hey, you know, I have nobody yeah. to, to confirm that I've done anything. You know, it's just, it's like a background check on people. So yeah. use it to your benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Anthony, mate, I really appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Uh, first time I've ever I think, met someone who does freestyle motocross. So I really <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, and Blake, thanks for texting me yesterday and saying, hey, let's yeah. do this. I'm sure we'll come back another time and have whoever else on the podcast. But yes, sir. Uh, for people listening, how can they like get in touch, follow you and, and you know, see the stuff that you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm on, uh, let's see, we got TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and uh, the usernames are going to be Anthony Murray FMX, and then also we have uh, Gravity Slayers on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, check us out, see what we're about, and uh, see if you guys can catch a local show. Yeah, and then Blake, what's yours? Uh, Instagram at Blake Shipman, YouTube at Getting Blaked, and... <sighs> Is that um, new? Original. Yeah, I changed it. <laughs> you uh, changed it recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, like it. And Facebook at B Shipman Films Official. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, I'll post those links in the description. You can go to them and check out the guy's work. And yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.